Jim Shoemaker, Jason Harrington, Drew Johnson, and Scott Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc., securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Helping you make the most of your money. It's time for Talk Money. Now, your host, Jim Shoemaker. Whether you're a baby boomer or a millennial, it doesn't seem to matter. A common concern is always money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. And I have some very special guests today. We're thinking that we would like to tell you some ideas about what you can do to have a phenomenal 2023. Now, I don't have 23 ideas for 2023, but we thought about that. We we actually could come up with maybe 23, but we're very privileged to have with us today Jason Harrington, who's going to talk about some tips, not 23 tips, but some tips on getting financially fit. And Scott's going to, Scott Jordan's going to talk about some fundamentals of investing. Now, you think they tie together, and the reality is they very much do. When you talk about fundamentals of investing, there's some things you need to know and know well as you're preparing for 2023 and looking forward to, I think, a better year. We're going to always be optimistic and think better year. 2023 will be better than 2022. So getting financial fit and fundamentals of investing. But in the second half of the program, Drew Johnson is going to really look forward, just give us some ideas about what to look forward to in 2023. He's going to, he's got some great thoughts for us. All three of these guys will kind of dive in with him as we think about why are we optimistic for 2023? That's a, To me, that's the question. Why would you be optimistic coming out of 2022? Don't you think it's going to be exactly the same? Well, no, it's not. And we're going to give you some reasons why. But first, we need to understand some, I guess, how do, how do you go about getting financially fit? Now, you know, most of us today are thinking about how do I get past what all of it I eat? Christmas Day and all the Christmas and it started in Thanksgiving and whatever diet I was on, I just tossed it out the window. So we start talking about how to get physically fit. Well, we're going to welcome to the program Jason Harrington about giving us some ideas about how to get financially fit. Welcome to the program, Jason. Thank you, sir. I, I love this time of year. I mean, uh, you know, we're here in the, the Christmas season and it's very typical. Many of our listeners can relate to this, uh, where you're busy. You're just super busy during the month of December. Everything is trying to get crammed in. And then there comes a point in time, Christmas day happens. And then you got that week after Christmas where you're like, you're sitting there thinking what now? And so that's the resolution week. That's the week where you start to look back on what you've eaten and what you've done and what you've spent and start thinking about, uh, new year's resolutions. Um, you know, and statistically, it's just unfortunate that a lot of resolutions are uh, off track within the first couple of months. Um, we've got a lot of stats out there. And so it leads me to start to wonder to just try to understand human nature and understand why is that? Why do we do that? We see that with financial resolutions. We see that with health resolutions or habits. So uh, we'll talk today a little bit about how to make your resolutions a little more uh, sticky, if you will. That's uh, a good point. I think sticky is a great word. I know a lot of people want to do something financially. They want to they want to do better 2023 than they did in 2022. So they they go through this kind of um, process, you might say, of saying, and it falls kind of short, as you said, by end of July, end of January, it, it's done. 
I, I don't know about you, and I'm sure you're so smart and brilliant, and That's you guys right. are, you know, all three of you are just brilliant. And I seem to, I graduated in a degree in procrastination, and I oh, actually yeah. have a fairly pretty good PhD, PhD right? in yeah. procrastination. And that's that what happens to a lot of people. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to write it down or whatever. And I know from our chair, we look and talk to people. We know that if they write down their financial strategy, their comprehensive plan, as they think about that, as we go through this, where they're thinking that, the idea is the that's going to be something they can do. About 80% of them do better that's if right. they've written it down. That's an old statistic been around for ages that you just, if you write down your goal, you're going to come closer to it. It is remarkable. That simple step of just writing it down will, will help you get to your goals. But I think there's other things too. I think when you get ready to start making change, uh, because many goals and resolutions do require some fundamental change. You got to prepare yourself for that change. Well, tell me about that. When you say prepare, what does you, what do you mean by prepare? Well, I think it's uh, a lot of goal setting, a lot of goal hitting is uh, in large part, just a mindset. So you have to decide what am I going to sacrifice? What am I going to give up? What are the pros and cons? But I think it's a little deeper than that. You got to build your goal setting around what your normal life is. I mean, if you go to start trying to drastically change your life and then it could be a, a really, really difficult. You got to evaluate your habits and what are the things that you're doing on a, on a regular regular basis. Um, some practical steps from a financial standpoint is just to get organized. Uh, you'd be surprised at how many uh, people that we talk to and some of your listeners out there may uh, can relate to this where when it comes to their financial documents, um, knowing where all their stuff is, is a bit of a mystery. Uh, they may have any anywhere from I've got some of my stuff in a filing cabinet, some of the stuff I've got in my, my spoon drawer in the in the kitchen and uh, some of its own line. And I can't uh, remember my password and I can't remember even the website to go to. So taking a minute to just get some inventory and get your ducks in a row to just know where your stuff is, uh, is a good first step. You know, when you say getting things organized, Scott, we, we've been working with someone here recently that, you know, and I think what Jason has said, it, it's a first step and you've got to do it. But we feel like sometimes this individual sometimes may get just a little overboard with it and, and he gets bogged down in it instead of being able to move forward. What's your take on that? And that can get extremely frustrating. And, you know, it's it's not something that has to be overly complicated. It's really just locating all your statements from your assets, whether that's a bank account or a 401k account. Let's get all that together. And I think the, the second most important thing to look at, you know, you got balance sheets, assets and debts, but also cash flow. We always say all good decisions begin with cash flow. So it's it's taking a look at what do I have coming in? What do I plan on coming in for 2023? And what do I have going out on a monthly basis? And that is... You know, we, I always say we like to plan that spending plan annually. We're going to execute it monthly, but we're going to monitor it daily. So it's it's about getting organized, knowing what you have coming in and what you have going out. And then you can see what you have that's that's margin or extra to put towards some of those goals you might have for the long term. You know, that is so critical. I talk a lot about just thinking about, you know, the idea of when you're talking about a financial plan. And I know, Jason, you're going to talk about goal setting in a few minutes, and that's critical. But here's a thought for me is summarizing just my present situation, knowing where I stand today. Because everybody, if you're really trying to build a financial plan, you're really trying to build your whole idea is cash flow margin. 
you know, that that's kind of the idea. Well, I look at four basic fundamentals when it comes to doing that. Number one, what is my giving that I've done in the past? Am I going to continue to give tithe for me to my church, my giving, my philanthropy, that I want to make sure that I'm doing that? Already? Linda and I talk about that all the time, but that's kind of my first thought there. But then living expenses. And, you know, we really found out that food, clothing, and shelter may be the three basics, but, boy, you can spend a lot of money on living expenses and get miscellaneous. out of control. Miss, I don't even want to talk about this. <laughs> miscellaneous in my budget is a capital M, and that's what happens to a lot of us. But, you know, there's a third one that I think when you think through this, the idea of debt payment. I just looked at something the other day. There was, somebody was asking me about this, and he said, I, my, my car, my truck payment is over $1,000, and the actually average tri- average car payment in the United States today is 575 for a new car, $575 a month for 60 months. Wow. Have you looked at the price of new cars? Yeah, this? that's... Yeah, 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 the average price... Used cars might cost that much. Yeah, the average man. price of a new car is forty dollars to $45,000. That's a lot of it money. Is. It and is, a, it and is. a used car is twenty-five to thirty in the United States. And you can go to New York, and it may be... Or San Francisco may be more expensive. Fortunately, here in our hometown, it's not near as bad. But the reality is... It can be expensive. You can have a car note that's going to last longer than five years today. One guy told me, he said, hey, uh, this is, it was a big, big truck. And he said, yeah, this is a 10-year payment. I'm going, what? I was going to say, I've yeah. seen 10-year payments, and that's really, really different from how you used to purchase a yeah. car 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, so giving, living expenses, debt payment, and, of course, everybody's got to think about taxes. But as we go through this process of getting everything down, as you're talking about finding the paperwork, getting all those things that you call when you, when you think about it, that the idea behind just getting organized and then knowing kind of what your present situation looks like helps somebody to get started. Yeah, and prior to even getting to that goal start, and we'll talk about goal setting, um, is, you know, that process can be daunting. When you start thinking about cash flow, I mean, how many of you in this room can tell me how much did your family spend on groceries last month? Oh, just a second. I mean, to put that up. Yeah, pull that up on your you spreadsheet. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Uh, I mean, the the truth is that most people aren't that granular when it comes to their expenses. And so when they have to go through that exercise, it can be daunting and it can be also an eye opener. And people are not really ready to to, you know, open that Pandora's box. And I think technology, though, somehow has helped with that. There are so many tools out there now that you can either through your bank accounts, online banking, or through another tool where you can link that up. And it'll tell you, it'll categorize all your spending for you. So it makes it a lot easier to, to look in hindsight and see where the money went. Now, I'm a big proponent in trying to get ahead of that and looking look forward, forward and say, yeah. where are we going to tell that money to go? But the first step, as you just said, is to look back and go, how much are we spending? Yeah, well, and what are we spending it on? Yep. And then you get to goals. And goals are, I love the goal setting part. I mean, I think one of the be- the best things that you can do for goals is to first uh you know, don't limit your thinking. I, I always use this, Mr. Shoemaker, this is a story that you told, I mean, when I was coming through the business about uh, the Roger Bannister uh, and the four minute mile and how that was said, you couldn't do it, you know, and it has never been done. And then, uh, but 
but just the story of just human nature is to limit yourself from what you can accomplish. Um, and you know, obviously he didn't allow himself to be limited. And many of our clients will start in the goal setting process with real limited thinking on what they can, they can really accomplish. So open your mind up and, and create that, uh, that more expanded, uh, opportunities for yourself. Do you think sometimes when you talk about the Roger Bannisters of the world and the reality is it had not been done, the four minute mile had not been broken. So everybody said it couldn't be. And so do you think one time so we sit down with the client and we're going through this process, they've got that mindset that they're bringing from their, their upbringing, past, their yeah. past, their, their, where they were. And they don't think about that. That's why this idea that you talk about goal setting and, and understanding where you are, whether it's giving, living expenses, debt payment, and, and taxes. The focus that you're really talking about when you say goal setting is increasing cash flow. That's right. And, and getting, that's uh, the key. Not letting yourself remember this is how, how, how it was. was. What is it going to be what, like? What in the can future? it be? Um, yeah. You know, um, uh, Andy Stanley has a quote about vi a vision for your life. And I think it's one of my favorite quotes. It's like a vision is a clear mental picture of what could be fueled by the conviction that it should be. Um, and that, that says a lot about just how you go into approaching vision and goals for your family. I think the other thing about goals, you got to make it real. Um, and, and you've got to make it something that you can be reminded of. This sounds like a little bit of an elementary exercise, but I've seen this bring families together and that's creating a vision board for your family. Um, you know, and I think it's real helpful too, when you have a husband and wife or, and maybe you want to bring your kids into this to realize that change in the family has to take place in order for us to advance financially uh, to get someone who may not be able to fully articulate what they want to accomplish or they may be intimidated intimidated about talking about what they really would like to see happen in their life to take that and say you don't have to say it out loud let's put a picture on here and it brings conversation to the table that may not have happened in the past you know when you talk about that i i, I understood exactly what you were saying but i'm thinking if i'm hearing him did he say picture so so and i think it's important we were talking about i was talking to ditch and tim van horn about this a couple of weeks ago, about bringing in, as you said, the family, the teenager, you know, that's, you know, maybe the Christmas is not going to be as good as it was, you know, now that we passed Christmas, or maybe your birthday's not going to be, all the things that maybe, oh, you got to have a tough year. Maybe we've had some downturns, or maybe we've done some changes in our economics. And so, but bringing everybody in and having that discussion with them, being open and transparent instead of in the closet arguing about it. That's right. And the kids are saying, well, I heard mom and dad argue last night and it was about money. This is about just saying, here's what our situation is, admitting that we've got to deal with it. I appreciate the picture mindset because I know exactly what you wanted, wanted to say about that. So let's talk about that, Scott. Well, I think I think what Jason's getting at, and we've talked about this on the show before, you know, whether it's uh, putting together an investment strategy, uh, a long-term savings plan, a spending plan, that's hard work and it can be difficult to stick with. So we always talk about the importance of knowing that why, why are we doing this? And I think if you understand that why, and you know, if it's a couple or a family, everybody comes around, there's a lot of communication around that why, it gets a little easier to stick with the long-term plan during difficult times. It makes say it really, if you clearly define what you want to say yes to, it makes it so much easier 
to identify what you can say no to. And I think the vision boards with a picture representation of what do you want to accomplish just gives people an opportunity to say, hey, it's easy for me to say no because this is our real goal. This is what we're going for. Give me some examples of that. I mean, is it a vacation, a picture of a vacation to to Yellowstone? It could be anything from like a vacation to Yellowstone to, you know, wanting to, uh, you know, cut on your energy bill to, you know, wanting to, buy a new fire pit in the backyard. I mean, the goals don't have to be, I mean, they're going to be, you know, uh, relevant for your family. So they could be very simple goals to really complex, you know, trips or a new home. You know, I, I we had a case here not too long ago where we were talking to someone here in the studio with, a, and I don't remember who it was, one of the advisors from the office. And he had said that one family had done this in a, in a room that was a vacant room in their house and they had taken the walls yes i remember that story walked through that process of drawing all of that their whole vision board was on their walls of this room that was basically their planning room now they just made fun out of you know they turned it into a fun thing but the whole family was involved vision board when you're saying that pictures and written down and when they had begun to accomplish and it determined that they could now use the room it was very difficult for them to re to paint to, over. Yeah, all repurpose of, their yeah, repurpose yeah. the room. This had been their vision board. No, and that's great. I think with regard to goals too, I think one of the things that can that can limit people from hitting goals is that they focus on these really macro resolutions. They say, I'm going to to conquer the world and that can feel like they're taking one gigantic large step and that can feel uh, a little defeating because your progress to that goal may seem a little slow Uh, so i would recommend that people go out there instead of making large resolutions they make really micro statements uh, declarations uh, that instead of trying to lose you know, 50 pounds in 2023, they make a declaration that I'm going to lose five in three months. That's that's Uh, good. And that way you're moving away from these sort of cloudy, uh, you know, dreams and you're creating a a mindset of we're going to hit some micro goals all along the way and progress from zero to five looks a whole lot more achievable than progress from zero to 50. That's uh, and so when you're setting your goals, think about some in more short term fashion of what you want to accomplish really, really long term. But what do we need to accomplish in the next two or three months? From your chair, guys, when you're working with someone, you've talked about, you know, getting everything as much as you can, get the details coming I mean, from a standpoint organization and being sure to be able to find and collect the information that's important for you. From birth certificates to you know, your veterans accounts and things like that. And then defining goals. Do you find that defining goals in the short minutes we've got before with the break, that you can really say that, that that's the hardest part? I mean, it, defining goals for a lot of people, as you said, from 50, that's the big chunk of goal that's hard, but it, it's sometimes difficult to just get it on paper and get it written down. Yeah, and getting pretty specific about it, right? It's not just these, like Jason was talking about, these these kind of pie-in-the-sky goals, but really breaking that down into manageable chunks of things we can accomplish along the way and celebrating those wins. Yeah, people will say, I want to retire comfortably or I want to take care of my family. And then getting someone to unwind that 
comfortably statement yeah. and really, and a good financial advisor will help you with that. Like let's unwind, retire comfortably, and let's really dig into what does that look like on a month to month basis. Well, speaking of a good financial advisor, let me give you the telephone number to several. It's 901-757-5757. If you want to talk to either one of these guys, just give them a call because when it gets down to really being able to process this, it can get to be very difficult. If this is a new objective for you to getting financially fit, building a strategy, now's the time to say, let me make a phone call. Talk to Scott, talk to Jason. Just take the step because we're we're intimately involved with people a lot. We know a lot about money. The reality is we see people that need the help that are doing great and everything else. But sometimes it's just procrastination. It's just how do you get started with a plan? Give them a call, 901-757-5757. Coming up when we get back, we've got a few more things we're going to talk about when it gets time to financially fit, be financially fit. Jason Scott, we're going to dive in on a few more things, talk about the economy. And Drew Johnson is going to walk us through some things to look forward to in 2023. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information is not investment advice or recommendation. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Helping you make the most of your money. Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker on News Talk 98.9. The S&P 500 is an unmanaged index of 500 large cap stocks. Investors cannot invest in an index. Financial professionals do not provide specific tax or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your own specific tax or legal situation. Helping you make the most of your money. It's time for Talk Money. Now, your host, Jim Shoemaker. Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to Talk Money. Thank you so much for joining us today. I want to remind you that if you would like to listen to the program on a podcast, you know, just simply go to Talk Money on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Search for Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Subscribe to the podcast. We appreciate it. If you got an idea, a thought for us, don't hesitate to uh, let us know that. You know, we are privileged. We're talking about some thoughts about helping you and just getting involved in setting yourselves up to be financially fit. For some people, it comes naturally. You just do it and it doesn't take you two seconds. For some of us, it's a laborious type of job. You've got to think through it. And it, we've told you over and over again, if you take the time to write it down, there's a better than 80% chance you're going to be successful at it. Doesn't guarantee it, but it gives you that idea that you own it and you're working through their plan. We've talked about storyboard, putting pictures of what your goals are, whether it's a trip to Colorado, a trip to the Yellowstone, wherever it is. I want to continue our discussion, but don't forget, we've got Drew Johnson. He's going to be with us in just a few minutes. Of course, you know he's involved totally with our investment program and our firm and uh, does a great job. Head up, he heads up the investment side of the group, and uh, he's going to talk about what he sees 
in 2023. Not so much a forecast, but what he fundamentally knows because of his expertise and what he does on a regular basis. We're very excited about hearing from Drew Johnson. But first, I want to go back with you, Jason, because I think we've talked about, you know, getting an idea of all the stuff. It's kind of finding out those things that you need to be looking at, things that you need to be getting, you know, just just organized. And that's a great term that used about thinking about organization. And that's not easy. And, and Scott, you actually were talking about that earlier, how you can get to almost to the point where it overwhelms you just to get organized. And I think that's true. So keeping it simple, but then getting a goal and, and setting down and saying, this is what we're driving for. What would you say is next when it comes to that financial being financially fit. Yeah, let me give your your listeners just a couple of practical things to think about as they're moving into this mindset of being financially fit. And I want I want them to visualize uh, building a house. Uh, everybody kind of picture that in your head. And when you're building a house, you start with the foundation, you start with that slab. Um, and and let's be honest, when you're building a house, you I would bet none of you in this room have been to a slab warming party. Oh, I've Not been lately. to several, yeah. You've been oh, to several yeah. slab? Oh, okay. yeah. It's, always a, yeah. it's a big event. <laughs> yeah, yeah no one slab. goes to slab warming <laughs> parties. It doesn't sound I mean, like know. it would be fun. No. <laughs> uh, and so th- there's nothing, you know, that you're really going to go and bring your friends around and tell them about. It's, n- it's not overly glamorous. It's just, a, But it is a necessity, Right. You can't have any house unless you have a good foundation and foundation being the most critical part of the whole. Every every contractor I know would tell you if you don't have a good foundation, you don't have a good you're house. Not, you don't have a good house. And so financial planning, a lot of the same way, a lot of the same uh, principles there is you got to start with a good, solid foundation. And one of the very basic pillars of financial planning is having a good emergency reserve. And a lot of people have heard that a savings account that you build up. Typical recommendation from a financial advisor is going to have three to six months of your living expenses set aside in cash. Uh, nothing overly, you know, fanciful about that. I mean, it's not going to get a large rate of return. It's not going to grow. But uh, if you have an emergency or if you lose a job or you have to change jobs or you become disabled, then that cash on hand uh, is going to be a critical component. And cash will always be a critical component and regular savings into cash will always be in a, a critical component to a financial plan. Do you have, you know, Jason, a, a number that you would say this is the minimum that you should have set aside for a major, an emergency run fund? Is there, is there a fundamental thought the textbook says? Yeah, textbook will tell you that you need to have at least three months of your, what we were talking about earlier, living expenses, which goes back to that getting ready phase. You got to know what that living expense is. What are you going to be spending on a monthly basis and to have at least food, three months? Clothing, shelter. That's taxes. That's any debt, debt, payment, debt obligations. All that's giving, that just that whole idea of those five numbers, those thoughts. Knowing what that is, and then have three months minimum. Minimum of three months, and depending on if you, uh, you know, what type of industry you're in, what kind of, uh, you know, do you have two working spouses? Um, how how much further beyond three months you may want to go? We have clients that work in jobs that you know, or constantly live in fear of, does the company downsize? Does the company try to relocate me? You know, this is my home. These are my roots. I don't want to 
move to North Dakota if if they if they say the only way to stay employed is to do that. So depending on what kind of job you're in, you may want to extend that out a little further to give yourself an opportunity to continue to pay your bills and to give yourself time to really go out and find the job that you want should something like that happen. I know we're talking about being unemployed, but, um, you know, we, we just finished the Christmas season spending a lot of money in savings accounts sometimes or we talked about this, that savings accounts sometimes for, for Christmas is something you can use to save money to get to that point. So, because we talked about Christmas coming pretty much, I think, Y'all might correct me if I'm wrong. Same day every year. I think it's still that way. It's usually the 25th. 25th. Somewhere yeah. around 20, the 25th. 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 I just, well, yeah. just trying to make yeah. sure I was not missing that I think it was the 25th last year. Last year? Yeah. Got it. Okay. So, the point is, if you know it's going to happen, it's setting up. That's not an emergency. No, fund. that's not uh, right. That's right. You know that's, that's an expense. That's an expense. Yeah. That's saving money for the expense. So, you can't. Don't call and don't reach in and get your emergency money to pay for Christmas. Yeah, right. Christmas never costs you $1,200. Christmas costs you $100 a month to be preparing for that from the beginning of January. But a lot of people don't do that. So and they part do, of your plan yeah. today, being that this is January the 1st, you know, we're talking about the 31st and the 1st, reality is starting that $100 a month. Now. That's right. That's right. But Thinking that's about it ahead of time. not your emergency fund. Not your emergency fund. Emergency Give me an example. You said unemployment. I'm thinking of the heater going out, the air conditioner next summer when it's 100 degrees, the air conditioner. You don't say, oh, guys, we can't, we didn't save money for this. We don't have an emergency fund. So we're going to live in a hot house in Memphis, Tennessee in August. That's no, not going to settle. That not family's gonna not going to like that. No one's going to like that. So you're, those are two great examples. The uh, the hot water heater going out, the, um, a lot of people that may have issues with their home. Uh, I know there are probably many people out there listening that have gone on vacation and come home to take a, one step into their foyer and step in a puddle yep, uh, where exactly something right. has happened and now you got to have repairs and you have a, a deductible on your home in, owner's insurance. Uh, this is a good place to go get the deductible that you would need to pay. You have a car accident um you know then you have a deductible to pay or a health crisis where you have to go to the hospital have surgery all of those are little financial emergencies that you can go tap into your i want to make sure that we delineate between financial emergencies and planned expenses give you another example we talked about christmas I've had people to come and say this is an emergency, and it's they're got to go buy a set of tires. Oh, the kids grew. <laughs> yeah, the kids. Yes, that's a good one. Yeah. Kids grew, but the come on, you know, I want to spend money because I got to go get some tires. Well, how long have you had these tires? Four years. Well, did you notice that they were getting slick? Yes, I mean, I would say in that scenario, the emergency reserve would be if you're driving down the interstate and you hit something and your tire blows. That's an emergency. That, that's yeah. an emergency. But if it's just normal wear and tear, got to get an oil change. You know, kids are growing. I mean, we know they're going to do that. Those are things that you need to start thinking about uh, ahead of time and being prepared for that. You know, uh, putting down payments on your next car. I mean, yeah. that's not an emergency. That's something, you know, cars have a find out or your next home. So these are these are things that are that are unexpected. You can't plan on them. Uh, unfortunately, people do uh, dip into their emergency reserve for things that are not really emergency. And we need to tell them that they don't do that. All right. Before we go to Drew and we look into 2023, what would be one more that you would say, I mean, I've always thought that you have to, if you're going to do all this, that, you know, getting financially fit, where you're going to get organized and that's set, set some reasonable goals and then set up a emergency fund. I've always kind of thought that there's got to be a point that you got to check your progress. 
Is that, can I say it that way? Is that- no, that's absolutely right. I mean, when you, when you clearly define goals, you create the map, that uh, progress check-in is, uh, that can be a fun experience. Um, because you can see progress or it can be, you know, an opportunity to control alt delete and kind of get ready to move forward. But you need to have a, a team of people around you for accountability purposes to check your reviews. Uh, I mean, to check in on your progress on a regular basis. So we call that an, an annual review. Uh, and I think that's one of the more critical things So I often tell clients, um, Scott, you may have very similar conversations that if you're just an inch off your steering wheel or maybe like a centimeter off on your steering wheel, you're not going to see that right away. But if you don't pull back and correct it and correct it at some point in time, you're going to end up in a ditch. Yeah. You're going to careen off the road. Yeah. So yeah. financial planning and you I may have that some, visual. Yeah. I hear you. I yeah. got the visual financial planning and reviewing is the same way. You're not going to yeah. always be perfect. I mean, you're, you're not, you know, things are going to happen. Life is going to happen, but having these reviews will allow you to course correct quicker than waiting five years yep. and realizing you're way, way off track. I think that's great. 901-757-5757. You can go to our Facebook page. You can go to find these guys. Just give me a call, 901-757-5757. Talk to Jason. Talk to Scott. It's about getting you prepared for what you're wanting to accomplish when it comes to your finances in 2023. It's one of those things that everybody says, I want to do that. It's about doing it, getting it done. And that's why we wanted to do this program at this time of the year, getting financially fit. But we're going to talk with Drew Johnson. And, uh, you know, this is the thought. I mean, Drew, welcome to the program, sir, before I say anything else, sir. Yeah, thank you have, Thank you for having me on, Jim. Well, you'd always, you always bring a plethora. That's a big word for me. Uh, you know, that's, I only have two. <laughs> a plethora of knowledge. A pro, just you bring so much because what I want us to talk about is what do you see? What is? What are you hearing? You listen and talk to a ton of people. See, I can say ton. That's the same thing as a plethora. You got it? You know, a lot of people. I don't know where we're going. I'm off track. But here's the thought. A myriad. Yeah, yeah. a myriad. There we go. <laughs> oh, there we go. Now we got a some gaggle. Words. Yeah, a guy. There you go. Boy, we're going crazy. That's enough, guys. All right. Here's the. I want to know, though, what are you thinking and hearing about 2023? Well, I think we have to be careful when we're, if we're making any kind of a prediction, because if you look at, if you wind the clock back to this time last year and what people were saying about 2022, uh, the Fed was thinking inflation was not going to be a whole lot higher. We were calling it transitory. We we were calling it transitory. The Fed was thinking inflation wouldn't be a whole lot higher than 2%, that we wouldn't have more than a, a few quarter percent rate hikes along the way. And in hindsight, that was just as wrong as wrong can be. It just, it could not have been more inaccurate than what it was. And so looking ahead, we may have to approach predictions about 2023 with the same uh, degree of skepticism. Uh, we, we have reason to think that the kind of rate hikes that we've seen this year, that that's probably not going to be repeated uh, in 2023, we are seeing inflation uh, moderating, at least for the moment. And the idea behind the transitory, even though the transitory turned out to really not be the case, the idea behind it may not have been. And that is that uh, it, it was ultimately the thought was that there, it was a supply chain issue that still may very well end up being the case going into 2023. 
this time last year. Russia had not invaded Ukraine. We don't know how much longer that conflict is going to last. We don't know what it's going to develop into. Now there's concern that they're going to drag Belarus into it. Maybe Poland or Hungary get, draw, get drawn into it at some point. We don't know if it becomes a wider regional conflict. We just don't know. So although we have fewer unknowns, we think, going into 2023 now that the election is passed and now that we see inflation moderating, we do have a, a number of other unknowns that we, we simply can't predict. You know, we always talk about that, and past performance is never an indication of future performance. I want to make sure I get that out. But you'd mentioned the fact that there's this mindset of what we saw and what we are seeing, and you mentioned the election. And, you know, in the past, post-midterm elections has always been a following year, has been a very good year. But I'm not hearing you say that, and at the same time, I'm not seeing hearing you say it's not going to be. So, is it so vague today that it's hard to predict? Is it because we got so many things moving on, or, or is it just the fact that most everybody is saying we don't know? Well, I mean, traditionally, yes. The year following a midterm election has traditionally been good for the markets. And if we're looking at the economy, traditionally, the worst of the economic news comes long after the worst of the of the stock market returns. Stocks are, are cheaper now than what they were this time a year ago. Uh, existing bonds are cheaper. Yields are higher. Uh, so it's a it, the, the conventional wisdom would say that it's a good entry point for new investors and is a good buying opportunity. It's certainly a good opportunity for active managers uh, in the various investments that we use. So the conventional wisdom, I, I think, would be positive about the investing environment going into 2023. But I don't want to give the impression that it's all going to occur in a straight line. There are still a number of unknowns out there that it, that we can't possibly predict that are going to throw a monkey wrench into things at some point next year. Something's going to happen that nobody saw coming. There's going to be some new fad that that is going to make some company obscene amounts of money that, that no one predicted would happen. Uh, and those are things that investors need to be aware of going into it. It's not a time to increase your fear or increase your greed. Uh, it's a time to just stay the course with what your plan is, like we've been talking about earlier. So let me, you're, I think what I'm hearing you say, and, and if you just tune in, I'm talking with Drew Johnson now. We're talking about 2023. What do we expect? And, and really, Drew, what I heard you say in a very couched way, volatility is the market. It is part of the market. And we're going to continue to see some degree of volatility. You said it's not going to be a straight line. And that's really what you're saying. Volatility will continue to be a part of the market. Right. And so you it, you still have to rely on your long-term plan. You still have to rely on your asset allocation program that you have in place to manage your risk. It's not a time to get too fearful or too greedy. Uh, that's key. Now, Scott, I, when we talk about this, and, and, and Jason, you both of you guys can help on this, we talk about, but but Drew's talking about something that's sometimes very difficult. We talk about the emotional side. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, as Drew mentioned, we had kind of a sea change this year. We went, we, we saw a lot higher interest rates. And with those higher interest rates, that kind of repriced all the risk out there. We saw the markets drop dramatically. And that's when emotions start to get high. We saw a a fast shift, as we often do from, from what I call FOMO or fear of missing out, like you saw in late 2021, where the tech stocks were kind of running. You had SPACs out there doing great, and cryptocurrencies. There were a lot of things doing great. 
and everybody was kind of piling into that and, and, and driving the prices up further. Well, I think we've now shifted to the fear of loss stage. Uh, we used to call it the fear and greed um, roller coaster that the market goes on. So I think that, you know, what I would say is, is kind of echo what Drew just said. You can't let these short-term news events or these short-term economic events derail you from your long-term strategy. And that's long-term strategy is what you're talking about, Jason. Yeah, that's right. I mean, when you look at, you know, what's affecting the market from an economic standpoint or whether you look at it from an emotional standpoint, I feel like today uh, when we're talking to advisors, one of the things that's derailing them from their goals is just the emotional mindset around the confusion of what is going on. There's so much news, more so. And I I'm not, I haven't been in the I've been in this business for 22 years, and so I feel pretty comfortable saying even way more than I've been in the business. Just the amount of information that is available to consume can be really confusing on you know how to stay the course. And as Drew mentioned, you know this is a good entry point for people, but it's still a good time to be in the market, and it's still time to think you know 10, 12 years uh, down the road. So when we say that, Drew, this leads right into something I want to ask you about, because we talk about money managers. And, and your job, basically, at the firm is to manage our money managers. And to, we have about 65, and you're constantly talking with them, looking at the numbers. Talk about when we say managing the managers, what does that mean? Well, it, it just goes back to the, the time-honored principle of, of achieving efficiency through division of labor. If you, if you have division of labor, you're just going to have a more efficient enterprise. So rather than us trying to figure out, uh, do we want to be more in the U.S.? Or do we want to be more international? Or what do we think about the strength of the dollar and where that's heading? We don't make those kinds of micro decisions. We leave that to the experts that eat, sleep, and breathe that every single day and that are, are trained and that do that full time. Uh, rather, what we do is we look at how managers stack up against their, their peers in terms of their performance, in terms of their expenses, in terms of the experience that they have, how much are they investing in their own strategies. That's something that's very important to look at. Do they eat their own cooking, uh, as, as we might put it? And we evaluate them constantly on those objective metrics. We evaluate them subjectively. Uh, we do calls with them to see kind of what their thinking is uh, going forward. What, what is their strategy? We look at uh, have their calls worked out over you know, a, a three to five year period. We look at all of that constantly. You know, uh, to that, see if they is, belong in there. That is critical for everybody to understand. I remember we were working with a manager and they were changing some of their direction. And what you uncovered was so valuable is their direction was a great direction. We all agreed that, you know, from the investment committee that that's a good direction for them to go. But they didn't have the analyst to be able to accomplish that direction. I mean, that's it was going to cause them to go out and hire 300% more analysts just to accomplish and we knew that was not going to be possible. Right. That wasn't we knew that that wasn't going to work out. And so even if we even if we like the idea that a, that a particular manager says they want to pursue, you also have to ask well do they have the do they have the depth to be able to pursue that effectively? And if the answer is no, then you, you have to turn away from what you might think is otherwise a good idea. Drew, how difficult is it to really get the keep the information current? On a manager, that's a, that to me is a huge job that you have. Oh, it's it, it, it's very difficult. I mean, it it really is a it really is a full time job. Uh, a, a, a 
and that, that that's an advantage of working with someone, you know, a, a firm like ours is what we do benefits all of the clients that we have. So instead of an individual investor out there kind of doing it uh, themselves, you know, they may do all this research too, uh, but, but that only benefits that one investor. So instead we have, you know, one or two, you know, two people at our firm that do this. And when we do it, it benefits thousands of clients. When you think about it, and that, that's a best way that we'd manage about 65, 67, somewhere in that range of managers. We keep that Scott in a less few minutes that we got left. What do you see from this level of benefit? What The level of expertise that Drew brings to the table, his oversight, what does the client really get for that? Well, I think it just goes back to we talked about, you know, not getting emotional and sticking with a disciplined strategy. And that starts with a, an asset allocation framework. You know, we're going to use a multi-asset portfolio. We're going to we're going to establish an allocation based on that risk tolerance, uh, the goals we're trying to accomplish, what type of rates of return we type we need to get. And then it's about identifying those those managers that will fill that piece of the puzzle or fill that piece of the allocation model and, and monitoring that on an ongoing basis to make sure we're sticking with that. Wow, that it's just a disciplined process. So well, disciplined process. Guys, thank you so much. I thought we'd think of what really for the new year, looking forward to the 2023 the idea of being financially fit, keeping our emotions out of it. You've done a great job. If you want to type these guys, ask them some questions, 901-757-5757. If you've got questions for the our text line, simply type J-I-M to 901-683-0989, or you can send it to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. Next week, we've got Better Business Bureau Daniel Irwin from Scam School. He's going to talk about what's got for the new year. Scott's going to continue our discussion with investments and uh, fundamentals. Don't thank you for joining us. That's Saturday morning at 7, every Saturday morning at 7, and Sunday at 12 noon. I want to thank my producer, Maximilian, guest and content coordination, Francis Fortner, production and marketing assistant, Lauren Norsworthy, compliance officer, Tommy Armstrong, and Kimberly Holtis. Thanks so much for joining us today. We're here every week helping you make the most of your money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Jim Shoemaker, Jason Harrington, Drew Johnson, and Scott Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc., securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Helping you make the most of your money. This has been Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker on News Talk 98.9.